You're listening to The Retail Perch with Shaka Raman and Gary Hawkins. We're going to discuss industry challenges and opportunities in grocery retail, AI, current and upcoming trends, and so much more. Welcome, folks, and back to another amazing episode of uh, The Retail Perch, and thank you for your continued support. And today, you know, we got something really special, okay? I think this is the first guest we're getting from outside of the United States, Gary. Oh, that's right. We're, we're going international. We're going international. I'm telling you, we're making the big move here on the retail perch. <laughs> and uh, so we have Michael House from Plant Jammer. And I've been reading up on Plant Jammer and your bio and your background. And it's fascinating what you guys are doing. And I can't wait to hear from you, Michael. And so if you can take a few minutes and just give us a little bit about you as an individual you know, where'd you come from? What inspired you to do Plant Jammer? And, you know, what's the vision? So here we go. Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on The Perch here. Pleasure to be here. I'm Michael, CEO and founder of uh, Plant Jammer. And it's, it, it sort of started off me. I used to work with uh, with McKinsey and, and you know, worked, uh, you know, 90-hour work weeks, I still do kind of thing. And uh, I didn't really have time to cook. So I thought, you know, at some point, okay, it's a survival skill. I need to learn that. Uh, and I went into sort of some tools and, and realized that, you know, like most of us realize, you know, it's quite hard to find a recipe online. And for that reason, recipes don't perform so well. For If you're a retailer or you're a food company, they tend to have like very high bounce rates, no time spent on page. And I thought we could do something smarter uh, that's more exciting. Um, and, uh, you know, because once you're into food, you can really make a difference on things. It's like you can stop food waste, you can, uh, you know, eat more plant-based, you can become more sustainable in all kinds of ways. And it's within your realm of control. And I found that exciting. So I started Plant Jammer, um, hired some, uh, well, got some funding, hired some, uh, some data scientists, and we started working on food pairing. Like how do ingredients go well together? And how do you have a, a recipe experience that's a bit more light uh, than getting a full-on recipe from, you know, some expert? But where you're engaged and, and, and interacting with the ingredients that's coming there and learning something along the way. Uh, we built an app called Plant Jammer that, you know, helps people cook with what they have and play around. And that grew pretty fast to we have a little bit more than a million downloads and a little bit more than 130,000 uh, active users on a weekly basis. Um, but that also got us into conversations with food brands and with, with retailers uh, about their challenges with recipes. And, and it, was, it, was, it was quite uh, shocking to realize that, you know, you're spending between one and $3,000 per recipe and your, your organizational resources, and then you have, you know, a bounce rates of 50%. So people basically don't, don't click them. <laughs> they go in and they go away. Uh, so how can you do something smarter? How can you make something that stops them in the tracks? And that's what we had learned building the app. So we thought, we can, we can fix this. So, uh, so we started building these, uh, you know, one lines of code that you can put on your website, get a recipe experience that actually stops people in the tracks and gets them to engage. Uh, one of them being uh, empty your fridge. So, you know, type in a few ingredients you have in your fridge uh, or you want to cook with, get an inspiration in the dish right there uh, that, you know, based on the brand side you're on so it's with those products and then adapt it to you personally, you know, make it vegan, make it a Mexican, take out the cilantro, you know, put in more spices, Adapted for your personality. And, and that's what we built. So uh, that's what we have. So now we have around 50 different uh, food brands and retailers working with us. Uh, we're powering their recipe sites, making sure you get much higher engagement, low bounce rates, really learn something about your customers because that's what recipe is all about. Learning to connect and understand who your customers are and what they like and don't like. And that's what we help with. And now we are 20 people, basically chefs and data scientists building these products. Yeah, we're, we're, we're basically at a stage where we got some, some good funding and growing fast and, and, and really like to work with retailers and food brands to have amazing food experiences. That's what it's all about. That is fantastic. I read something on, I think, one of your briefs or your website that 
on average, people 80% of the time cook only 10 recipes. Yeah, so the present like, number is that's really boring. That's really sad. <laughs> I think yeah, about it, right? It's so uh, how are you and, and you're, are you looking at plant chamber as something that makes food preparation a little bit more fun and more creative? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's interesting to go through that sort of, you know, that metric is, is, is shocking, but at the same time, most, most food brands know this. They go around saying it in all the strategy documents, you know, people only make 10 recipes and they really only do. Um, and obviously the victim of that is uh, more food waste. We don't know what to do with that, you know, uh, cauliflower in the bottom of the, the fridge. And that we don't, even though we have all the aspirations of, you know, eating healthier and eating better, if we don't have that sort of baseload of competence in the kitchen, we're not going to get there. So all the great visions, they're just hard to make into habits. So that's what we try to make it easier, to make that journey easier from this is what I want to eat to this is what I actually eat uh, and actually, actually, actually go in there. And making that fun and delightful and playful and, and learning experience rather than a chore. Because it can be a bit of a chore to go, you know, I just, I just Google cauliflower recipe and I got 45 million results. You, know? <laughs> gonna, you, you get a bit of a FOMO from anything you click there. If there's 45 million alternatives, right? Right. <laughs> so right. so we, we think we can do better than that. <laughs> wow. So, so Michael, one of the things you're focused on is helping with food waste, right? And, and obviously one of the ways, direct ways to do that is helping people better use what they already have in their fridge or pantry uh, and so on. Uh, if you would talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting when we think of food waste, immediately most of us get this uh, mental, mental picture of, you know, a, a dumpster in the back of a canteen or a restaurant or a retailer and, you know, all the food waste sort of piling up. That's super obvious and that's, you know, that's what you see in the news and so on. But that's actually not like, that's not what food waste looks like. That's, you know, that's the 11% food waste that's happening at the retail level. Uh, the 44% the is happening in the home. So the right place to point at if we're going to really take this huge problem seriously is ourselves and our own fridges. You know, it's the it's the sad carrots in the bottom of the, of the fridge. That's really sort of the impactful change that we can make. And, uh, and, and that's why we're focusing. That's why I decided to focus on the home uh, first and foremost of empowering people there because that's where the biggest problem is. Mm-hmm. And it's a very unseen problem because you don't see it piling up, right? Uh, but it's very real. And, and the beauty is if you start addressing that and you start creating that flexibility in the home of really realizing that, okay, I can actually make something really, really delicious from a carrot, you know, an onion and soy sauce and olive oil. Like it's, you can, right? If you start realizing that, then you can start having home kitchens and, and you know, consumers being much more active, engaging in the food chain because they can be flexible. And then the next step is obviously that they realize what's close to expiry at the retail level and they help buy those products and eat them yeah. fast. So that flexibility is where, we, where I like to, to create some uh, superpower. So, so do you, picking up on that thought, do you see retailers you're working with trying to connect your app and recipes and guidance to products that are becoming you know, close to sell-by dates or spoilage, whatever, in the store? Exactly. That's actually the next product we're working on right now. Uh, along with, we, we found a really good partner in a, in a, we're from Copenhagen, Denmark, and we found a really good partner in, uh, in Sweden, our neighbor there called Y Waste. They have a, a nice app that's straight out there in the retail stores. So they're present at 2,000 different individual stores where they're helping date mark ingredients and just have a good repository of what's there. And then we just, we just built a common API. So they, we're calling their data. And that means each of these stores can actually have their own little listing on their own site that we are helping them set up where mm. they show what's you know locally close to expiry 
And you can right away see, oh, I can make a pasta from that. And you actually know what's in the shopping list and you go down there and you get you know, a good deal, uh, but you also help stopping food waste at the retail place. Hmm. Nice. So in short, the way your app works is I go to my fridge and say, okay, this is what I got in my fridge. Tell me what I can make. You suggest some recipes. I can take that recipe and adjust it a little bit if I want. And boom, I have a recipe that I can use with stuff in my refrigerator. Is that the basic idea? That is the basic idea. And the adjustment is actually the real power there because um, what we realize all the time is, you know, if you're just clicking a random recipe, there's going to be ingredients you don't like that you know, fit, don't fit your diets. And it's much more playful to play a little bit around with that. So, uh, you know, what we like the most is actually these are playful things like saying, make it Mexican. And then we have a, a, a mask on ingredients and what makes it Mexican. And it actually starts making, making it yours that way. And it's that playful mm. part that means you're much more likely to actually cook, uh, which we're not if it's just a beautiful picture. Yeah. It's almost, it seems like, you know, the, the, the picture that's coming to me is like a painting, you know? So yeah. I, I got a few paints. And what can I paint with this, right? And, and you're basically providing ideas for what I can put on my canvas with, you know, because the same paint can make different types of paintings. And based on what I like visually, I can do different things. And I'm thinking you're doing the gastronomical painting here of some sort, right? So I'm taking notes here. That's uh, that's a beautiful, uh, <laughs> beautiful picture. That's a great analogy. <laughs> We, we, can't, we call ourselves plant jammer because we, we like to uh, like look at it like music. When you're jamming, you need to know the basic notes. And, and you know, you need to know what is in food is you need to know what's umami and sour and sweet and what gives crunch and texture. You know, some basic rules we can put into the algorithm so you have the notes. But once you have those, you can jam. You know, you can freestyle right. and you can make it yours. Nice. So, so, yeah, I think it's such a great idea. So what behind the scenes, you've created... A sounds like a bunch of different attributes for each different food item far beyond what you know retail what would normally think of as attributes right you know sweet sour flavors those types of things exactly actually the the, the behind the now we're getting into a difficult topic because we're getting into what's behind the curtain and behind the curtain is is, is something quite unique we we actually don't have a, a single recipe in our database. What we have is an AI we taught uh, food pairing and we gave it some straitjacket sort of rules about, okay, this is how a pasta looks like. And this is how a risotto looks like. Um, and, you know, gave these sort of basic recipes. Uh, worked quite a lot with Mark Bittman, uh, who basically mm -hmm. started saying, there's only 10 recipes in the world. Everything is a branch out of those 10. There's a bit more than that, but nevertheless, we built those sort of patterns and gave the AI that. And then it's the moment that a, that a user actually picks ingredients and says, I want to make it into a risotto that it builds the recipe. So there's no database uh, there. There's a bunch of attributes, as you say, and a bunch of vectors that are designing directions based on your preferences and what you're choosing. And then it's building on, on the back of those preferences. So it's literally a chef in the back end who's telling you, here's what you got, here's what you can make, right? So it's, it's kind of on-demand meal. Yeah. Yeah, and, and oh, you like more protein, then you should get something like this instead. Or, oh, you, uh, you, know, you hate cilantro, then this is the direction. And you have a conversation. I could say you, you can talk with the recipe. You know, so my daughter is going to college this year, and maybe I should get her this so she knows what to do with the stuff in a refrigerator. Because uh, this way, even if she doesn't have a recipe and know what to cook, you guys can tell her. It's a, it's a, it's a survival skill. It's a good there gift you to go. Give. I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if my wife heads out for a vacation and leaves me at home and I'm only making eggs, now I can start thinking of more creative solutions. 
<laughs> no, this is fantastic. So, so how did you strike on this? You know, you know, yes, you started off with the objective of reducing food waste, right? But food waste to customize recipes, that's a big gap. So you must have had some inspiration points along the way. Yeah, so, uh, so so for me personally, it really did start with me wanting to learn how to cook, and and I'm a, I'm a first principles thinker, so I don't like to just follow someone's you know someone's you know very high level rules. I like to find understand the why, right? So I, I had I had a really hard time just following a recipe because you know I felt like what I just have to follow it every time, and I'm not really learning anything along the way. Like how can I you know capture information out of this, right? Um, so I started you know. Googling and finding books and reading about food pairing and understanding there's a whole sort of methodology around what things go well together. And once you have that, you can make anything. And that's really powerful, right? So if you know the basic six steps of a risotto and you know what goes well with eggplant and you combine those two things, you can make a great eggplant risotto, right? And 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 suddenly, so there was the whole idea was basically how can you learn how to cook uh, better uh, and then building an exploration engine from that. And then we we built this exploration. It was meant for like super geeks who really wanted to learn how to cook, right? But we uh, every time we talked about it to anyone, they were like, "Oh, then you can empty your fridge," and we, they couldn't stop saying that. And we just for for one and a half to two years, we worked more around saying, "Yeah, sure you can," but like this is why it's, we have it. At some point, we just learned, okay, why fight gravity? Why not actually use the technology of what everyone is wanting to use it for, which is cooking with what you got yeah and and that's how we got there so we started from like a classical copenhagen michelin star focus of like high-end stuff to realizing we can solve something for the for many more people if we right. if we bring it to to simplicity and, and convenience instead and, and that's why we went hmm. for solving a very real problem uh, on food waste yeah i mean i can imagine restaurants using the service where they're like okay yeah. We want to change up the menu today, you know, and make it more interesting for our customers and understanding the customer's taste buds and saying, okay, how do we make foods and put stuff on the recipe? And I know I, I'd love to go back to a restaurant which changes its menu every week, right? Because it's something exciting as opposed to I want to have the same thing that I had last time. Uh, yeah. I mean, so have you guys explored that avenue? I'm sure we we have. We kind of stopped exploring it the last year for obvious reasons. Uh, you know, the Corona sort of quarantine sort of stopped the the, the, the restaurants from you know innovating right. on that field, and it had to innovate in other ways. So they were busy. Um, but yeah, basically, yes, uh, restaurants and, and high-end chefs. What they what's wonderful about working with them is you just need to give them two leads, and then they go right. So they just need to know I have eggplant and I have bulgur and i want to make something and then you, uh, you 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 tell them three spices and then they they know what to do and that means that for them it's a very different engine of like just inspiration up front and a different kind of product right because they 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 know uh, how to connect the dots once they have a flavor profile they can kind of play with um so it's it's very much focused on the food pairing again and and the reasons why you know okay here are three great umami ingredients and they choose one and then they go right yeah um right. There's a different kind of product. It's not one we built yet, but we've uh, we've done a lot of mockups and and, and talked to a lot of uh, restaurant people uh, along the way. And it, it's definitely in the it's it, it's in the block of things that we would love to do at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. So, do you guys offer like an API where, let's say, I have a a list of products. It could be a shopping list in my in an app, and I pass it to you and say, and you come back to me and say, hey, here's a here's the list of recipes that I think will go with. Uh, with the stuff that you have, which is basically the same thing of what, what do I have in my fridge, 
Right. Totally. And that's exactly what we got. <laughs> so we, underneath each ingredient, there's a hierarchy of products. So we already filled it up with every EAN code we can find and are continuously improving that. So that also when a, when a brand comes to us, we already know their, their product and where it fits and what's special about it. So we tag them as well and have a whole data uh, management system of, of products. And that means that any, any food brand can come and say, this is my product. We probably have it. If not, then tell us a few things about it and we can position it in the neural network and the whole system. And, right. and sudden, suddenly you have, you know, well, I just told you I have no recipes, but you can make thousands and, and, and millions even of recipes from that product. And we can say, okay, do you want to have breakfasts or you want to have you know, drinks or do you want to have dinners? And, and we go in that space and, and give you access to the API. You can build your own products or give you access to our widgets, which is basically one line of code you put on your page to have a great recipe experience based on your, your products. Hmm. So basically, you've taught a computer to cook. Basically, yeah. 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 But we're, we're continuously teaching a computer how to cook because it, it's, it's not self-learning, right? So we need to teach it things yeah, all the time. So these, these days we're going into Indonesian cooking a lot, for instance, and getting into that space and, 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 and learning, learning about that and feeding, feeding data, but also feeding structures around the data uh, to go into that space. So it's a continuous learning effort. Hmm. So, so how about going the other way? Can a, a shopper start with a recipe and then send that to their retailer's uh, online shopping site or e-commerce site? That, that's a thing we explored, looked into. What we learned in the whole shoppable recipe space is generally, it sounds great, uh, the conversion rates are really low. So it means, you know, if you have a recipe on your site that you can shop with, people come in with another context. Uh, one recipe, you know, might be worth, let's say, five to $10, right? So it's not going to be a lot of stuff to put into a shopping basket. So, so what we decided uh, and are working on is a, is a meal, a shoppable meal plan rather. Okay. Where you say, you know, yeah, I have a few ingredients and I have a taste bud and what's the great meal plan. Then our AI builds the, the, the meal plan that's proposed. You adapt a few things. And now we get to a shopping basket of 30, 40, $50. And it starts getting interesting because then you're a few clicks away from actually ordering it you don't have to also add a bottle of wine or something to make it deliverable um so so that at that level yeah uh, the meal plan level hmm. nice nice so are you primarily in in europe right now or are you in the us or primary europe we uh we we have a have a lot of work over here to do but we are starting to work with companies like uh, mccormick on the spices and and with uh, barilla on, on on pasta and a few of these european brands that are moving over as well uh so we and we we, we definitely we definitely want to go over there uh, because there's also food waste and there's also people oh. who are excited about food and, and who want to learn to cook, particularly these days over Aaron, there. Is there any food waste in the U.S.? <laughs> just a little. <laughs> just a little. Yeah, that's right. Just a little. Just a little. No, that's. I think it's it's so fascinating. So tell us about this uh, this vision. I don't know what what was what's what drove you this this whole vision of one million tons and one million dishes. Yeah, no. So basically, the core premise of this that when I when I was when I was working with McKinsey, uh, I always worked in energy sector and travel around the world, worked with you know governments and and big companies to solve energy problems. And and the thing about energy is like it is with most sustainability efforts, it, you, it's very top down. You need regulation, you need big infrastructure projects, and then you can make difference. Right. What's beautiful about food is you can go bottom up. Like it's you and your habits. It's much more within your realm of control to actually make a difference, even without infrastructure or regulation. They have an expression in Indonesia that goes, um, the economy grows at night when the government is sleeping. <laughs> and, uh, and you can take a similar approach to sustainability when it comes to food, right? Where suddenly it's actually within the realm of, of our control to do something ourselves 
on a daily basis. And that's exciting. So, uh, and so we want to reach the scale where we can really impact, you know, eventually a billion people on how they eat. And if you're going to have that kind of scale, you have to think a little bit different and put some, some targets up there for you. So we have like a whole milestone plan of how do we get to a billion? Uh, nice. Because when we, when we get to that, we can, you know, obviously reduce food waste by uh, one over, let's say nine, you know, percent. Uh, so, so that means almost 10, more than 10% uh, of, of that can be stopped then, right? Because we're impacting uh, that much of the population. So um, yeah, we got a stepwise plan and we know that, you know, you cannot just do that with an app uh, because uh, in food, everyone has their religion and their own ideas. And for that reason, everyone is not going to use the same app. So therefore we thought it's better to package the technology into an API, put the AI chef in there and, and have it uh, delivered to a bunch of websites, everyone who's excited about food and wants to fight it fight the food wastes, they can, they can, you know, call our API and, and, and make magic and, and make something happen. Hmm. I, I would imagine with all the, the people you have using the app, you've got enormous amounts of data. And from that, probably some really interesting insights into shoppers, shoppers behavior and so on. How do you use those? And do you share those insights? back with retailers or with the brand manufacturers? Uh, it, it is very, very useful insights for sure. We, we make sure to, uh, you know, we, we don't want to go into the ad business and, and sort of the whole game that, you know, your Facebooks and Googles have gone down where you end up, end up doing evil stuff, trying to get as much data as personal as possible. So we really try to keep all data fully anonymous. That's super important for us. Uh, but at that, anon at that level, we can still gain a lot of insights. And, and that is something we're capturing. So we are capturing, you know, in Copenhagen on a Tuesday, you know, do, what, what do people tend to eat? What do people tend to substitute out and substitute in when they're making a pasta? What are the products and ingredients that tend to go together? So we can actually tell, you know, uh, Barilla and pasta that, you know, you should actually, actually there's a, a tendency towards pe people making a lot of, you know, broccoli pastas these days and you want to, might want to go that direction. And there's soy sauce and umami in this. So suddenly you might want to think about Maggie or, or Kikoman soy sauce, like going in a direction of, of understanding these patterns you wouldn't normally consider and seeing that at scale. And that's something we're both sharing, but uh, what we really like is to say, if you put this experience on your site, you're going to not just have visitors coming in and jumping out again going to have visitors coming in, they're going to be clicking the journey. And throughout that journey, they're going to give you a lot of information about what are your customers like? What do they like? What don't they like? What are the products that go together? All these insights about your customer, not like it's some generic customer that Plan Gemma yeah. came with from an app, but right. your customer, the people who see your site. That's really impactful. So we give them a monthly dashboard of what did people do on your site uh, at a very granular level. Uh, again, anonymous, but nevertheless, what did they do? What did they pick and pick and, and take off? And, and that becomes a bit of a strategy roadmap for them. Hmm. Nice. Okay. So, so do you uh, also, from this, I guess you can glean changes in lifestyle diets that people are adopting. Suddenly I'm seeing that, hey, there's more vegan food, there's more gluten-free recipes that are going in. So almost kind of inform retailers of trends that can help them in a larger scale with merchandising, right? Like what kind of product should I be carrying in my store? Because I'm seeing that more people are preferring, you know, vegan or keto diets or, you know, right? Absolutely. And I think what's, what's interesting is, is when you start doing that at a product level, actually, right? So you start realizing new patterns and new ways that people are consuming your products. And, and even, you know, what should you be next to in the supermarket? Because 
there's also a big data game going on between retailers and food brands, right? Where, you know, retailers, they have their category managers who try to really study, study the data and understand in my category what's going on, right? And, the, and, and if the food brand can come in with information that's complementary to that or even better than that, then they can have another kind of level playing field when they're having these negotiations and conversations about trade spend and the like. Right. And so, so, so for examples of, of, of that is that we work with a company here in Denmark called Grain that uses, um, it's a very beautiful company that uses mash from beer production, makes flowers out of it, and then, hmm. and then sell that flour, you know, for, for, for beer, for bread making and the likes. Wow. They came. They came to us and said, "Okay, we all our customers are like hipsters from the big cities, and you know they're very sophisticated and they want very sophisticated things, and that's fine." So we we built an experience around that, but we also dropped in a few other kinds of of recipes there, and and then we learned a lot of surprises. We realized actually their audience is not at all what they thought it was. It was actually quite busy mothers who were making easy muffins, uh, which is like the easiest thing you can make because it's, it's just making a, a batter for a pancake, putting it into. Right to uh, to the oven and you got muffins and it's a very different audience and they suddenly had to actually push and there was food muffins so it's basically positioning them next to the veggies in the in the supermarket hmm. they could go and actually tell other kinds of supermarkets than just the high-end one for hipsters that hey we're actually relevant for your audience right. if you put it next to the carrots and the and the beetroots and by the way beetroot chocolate is a great match so something over there and you give it a little recipe here then you can actually you know have, have proper takeoff so you get these surprising data points that brings you into great conversations that can become win-win situations at a retailer brand uh, conversation. Hmm. So maybe this is a stupid question. I'm going to ask you anyway. How do you make sure the recipe that your chefs, your AI chefs suggest is going to taste good? I eat a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you don't look like it, Michael. <laughs> I also run a lot. <laughs> no, no. no uh, so, so basically, Obviously, we do test as much as we can. We cannot test everything; that's impossible. But what we what we make sure is to be very systematic about how we test. And and you know, as long as you know there are certain patterns, like for instance, saying when it comes to volumes of ingredients, there's ratios that are quite constant between ingredients that should always be there. So make sure that these basic rules are always there, and then test those rules. So we don't have to test every recipe, but we test the rules. So yeah. when uh, when we're making a certain baking recipe, we really test the ratios between you know your so liquids and your flours. Proportions of ingredients in a recipe, right? That, okay. That's an example, right? And then another one is like you need to have certain balances of, of flavors. So if you're consistently making uh, making dishes uh, without any sour components, you're gonna f- you're gonna lack depth of the flavor because that creates that sort of balance of it. So making sure that we are always capturing the rules. And then make, enforcing the rules uh, so that the AI doesn't just do whatever it pleases. Fascinating, and you know, because we've had people on the show, uh, Gary, in the past several episodes. A lot of them deal with, uh, you know, personalizing food suggestions, recipes, and they're all trying to solve this problem of how do I make my meal more fun, more easy to make, and you know, also indirectly benefit the retailer in the process, right? And you've got to have a balance of the two. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I think your solution really stands out in my in my mind because it's the yeah. first solution that we've come across, Gary, and we come across a lot that seems to have taken the the art of preparing a recipe to the AI as opposed to, you know, most of these people are working with a fixed set of libraries. They, they, they start of, with the recipe and then... Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's, it's amazing what you're doing. And I think I can see, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, so I... 
if I'm a hunter gatherer and I decide to go out in the forest, it'd be nice if you have an app which says you can eat that, you can eat that, you can eat that, and you can make with it. <laughs> but you know, and that's how I am in, the, in my kitchen. In my kitchen, because my wife uh, is always complaining when I go in to cook. She says, "Okay, leave me out of it. Just take care of it, and don't get me involved." Because I'm always asking her, "Where is this? Where is that? Where is this?" And it's always a problem trying to put some stuff together. Now, if I could just get my hands on whatever I can reach. And then ask plant jammer, okay, what can I make with this? That would be amazing. So yeah. you can. Try it out. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm gonna try the app. Yeah, out. I love the analogy of you know, you've taught a computer or an AI how to cook. That's it. That's it. In fear of spilling the beans here, uh, you know, there are certain rules that you can you can use also outside of the app, <laughs> outside of our, our our software to just bring on. We all get in in, in plant jammer, we're now uh, 20 people. And, and, and we all get this language around food that we didn't have before by working here because we're looking at what the, what the engine does and we are creating a language around it because you cannot just give people a recipe. Right. Uh, that wouldn't be true to our philosophy, at least. You want to give people, it's like giving people a fishing stick rather than a fish. You really want to teach them something about why. And, and, and if you get the sort of the language of, we have created something called the gastro wheel, which is basically the components of a well-tasting dish so basically, you know, I think I said it before in this call, but nevertheless, you know, you need something umami, you need something sour, you need something sweet, you need something crunchy for texture, you need something bitter, potentially something spicy, definitely something aromatic. There are these kind of components that you always, you just go through that sort of checklist and you can make something delicious. And when you, when you have to learn to taste and say, oh, this is missing, let's say umami, for instance, you have to know those tastes a little bit. That's a bit of the, the art of it. But essentially... We had a day the other day, it's a while ago now because of Corona, but when we were went shopping together, the, the whole plant jammer team for, for a common cookout and, and we shopped for a, for, for a weekend and people weren't talking about like, I'm going to pick up the soy sauce and I'm going to pick up, feel like I'm going to go find some umami. I'm going to go find some sour and we didn't care what kind, because as long as you have those components, you're going to make great dishes. Right. And, uh, and, and that's sort of the, the whole sort of logic behind that we, we learned we, what we learned by listening to an AI, look at mm -hmm. patterns. Yeah. Nice. So you've got these basic uh, ingredient types, if I can call it that, mapped to products that you can go buy in a supermarket, right? So, right. so basically a catalog of products has now been, it's an attribute that's added to every single product saying, hey, is, this, is this an umami? Is this a sour? Is this a vegetable? So on and so forth. So you can now take these combinations, put them in the proportions that are required to make a dish. What about the procedure of the recipe? I mean, how do you how do you handle that? Yeah, that was brute force. So basically, uh, we 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 needed to really go go deep on that and saying, okay, if you're gonna roast an eggplant, what are the four ways of doing that in an oven at different settings and depending on what you want? And we actually build those methods. So we have a bunch of methods for each of these uh, these ingredients because that's that's an aspect where we needed to actually bring the chefs in. We are basically half chefs and half data scientists in the team. We don't believe either of those aspects can do it alone uh, if we're going to build what we want to build. So we had to really go in and go deep on, on these methods that the AI then picks for the, at the right times, but we had to build the tools for it. So basically it's Lego bricks that then, uh, that then the, the AI finds in the right spots and the right times. But, um, but, but essentially we did need to do that and we are still continuously doing that sort of building the Lego bricks, learning, oh, there's something called a sphere or there's something called, uh, you know, another way of barbecuing and Salt, and then we, we play with that and we build a method and then we got another tool for the AI to, to use. So that's important. Like, you know, there's, there's one world of people where like the chef is like this artistic uh, intuition based, uh, you know, genius who 
makes things up from you know intuition and then there's this other world where you know everything is an ai that just does it for you because it's you know, a kind of language so why wouldn't it be able to learn cooking we don't believe in any of those two worlds we believe actually it's in the space between where you have some you know uh, acquired knowledge from years of cooking that you put into rules and then you apply the the ai a food pairing on top and suddenly you start getting the powerful stuff it's a space in between and that's why we're not afraid of like google trying to do this because they, they're not going to have a bunch of chefs working on it. They're going right. to just take the AI approach. It's, it's in the space between, which is hard to build because chefs and data scientists, they don't, they're very different creatures. So getting them yeah. to talk the same way. One languages. is cooking data, the other is cooking vegetables. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> also, so one likes to put stuff into boxes and one likes to take stuff out of boxes. And, right. and, yeah. and, and conceptually, <laughs> it's, it, it'd be hard to problem solve uh, with those two animals yeah. uh, in the room. But, but that's, that's what we learned to do. And that's probably our biggest organizational sort of spice uh, is that we've been able to get those two into one room and actually talk the same language. That's fascinating. So you guys are also, are you also going in the direction of, uh, hey, I've got some dietary restrictions based on my health and I can't eat certain kinds of foods or I can't do this and I can't do that. So is that an input that goes into your system as well when you suggest recipes? Yes, so we both have, we have properties, meaning uh, tags uh, on each, each ingredient, each product that identifies you know, is this for keto? Uh, is this friendly for uh, you know, gluten-free? Is this vegan? Uh, you know, does this have high amino acids, theronine uh, in it? At a very granular level, having these, these tags that enables us to say, okay, make this protein rich or make this keto. And then on top of that, we, we also, you know, uh, gather our own database of the nutritional data behind. So we can also both, you know, tell you how many carbs it is, but also say if this is going to be low calorie, what to do. And, and exactly show you the impact. So it's, it's quantitative, not just based on tax. So, so that way we combine those two data points and, and tell, tell the AI, hey, by the way, you can only choose between all the things that's been tagged keto now, give us the best food pair within that space. And then it, it, it gets there. So, so that's, a, that's part of the, yeah, the database behind to, to have that, that mask on, on the data yeah. as well. I'm going to download the app. Is it available in the United States? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, we, have, we have so much more in our API than in the app. It's good to right. try the app to learn the technology, but the real power is, is one with all the stuff you can build on top because a lot of the stuff we, we built the, the base for, but, uh, but didn't put in the app because we're focusing on the B2B fund and serving food brands and retailers right now. And that's really our core focus. Um, but the, the beauty of when you, when you start doing this exercise is you go from a world of, if you, if you have a lot of diets or a lot of sort of uh, health goals with your eating, it can feel like a world of scarcity, right? Where like, oh, there's all this stuff I cannot eat. Um, and you feel like it's, you know, you're, you're limited in the corner. But what we're learning is once we're really doing the work on, on the tagging and on the data here, is that almost no matter what diet and almost no matter what health goal you have, there is abundance out there. Uh, we have a pretty abundant food world where you will be able to make, you know, thousands of, of great, great dishes at all time and, and, and simplification levels and, and, uh, and at all taste levels as well. So that's the beauty of it, that realizing there's abundance everywhere in food. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like having six strings on a guitar and you can make a world of tunes, right? So you just need six strings. Uh, but that's amazing. I mean, I'm fascinated. I mean, obviously, you know, like every time, Gary, we have these amazing guests on our show, we don't realize how time passes. But I think uh, we got to get Michael back on here in a few months. Yeah, yes. It looks like yeah. you guys are uh, charging the hill here big time. And I can't, so excited to see you guys, you know, a solution like this come up because I think it's so needed, right? Uh, 
the world needs it. I can see you know all aspects of the world, whether you're looking to customize your diet or you're looking to reduce food wastage or you just want to get creative because you're tired of stuff that you've been eating you know the last two weeks and you want to change. I can see this adapting to a lot of people. So amazing, amazing. Gary, any think, questions? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, this, this has been great. And yeah, I, I agree with Shaker. What you're doing is really fascinating, completely different approach to this whole space than, than I, I think we've ever encountered before. And we talked to a lot of a lot of different companies. Yeah, yeah. It's a big compliment. I, uh, we, we, we try to be a bit, bit weird and do it our way uh, and, and not, not listen too much to what other people do because then we just get grouping and build what everyone else That's does. So right. we, That's we, right. we do what we can in that space. But, but I think also just to, to mention one, one thing, working in food is, is pretty tremendous. Like I, I came from a world where I could barely cook you know, uh, seven years ago and, and now I, I you know, can't stop thinking about it. And, and you know, I think it's, it's a great space to be in. And it's a space where it's uh, kind of compared to getting a tattoo, like it will never go away uh, <laughs> when you work with food because it's, you know, it's culture, it's, it's senses, it's chemistry, it's physics, it's biology, it's everything yeah. in there. And it's got so much depth. So I expect to be working on this for the rest of my life. And uh, I will, it would be lovely to come and come and see you again and, and, and tell you all oh, the good stories. Absolutely. Uh, we can't wait time. for you to come to the United yeah. States. I mean, this is uh, sorely needed here without question, you know? So, and I think, you know, coming out of this whole uh, epidemic here, people are, I'm sure they're excited about cooking at home, but you can only be so excited for so long, right? And I think they need creative solutions to see, you know, what can I do? And I think a solution like yours would be fantastic. So yeah, we'd love to get you back on the show. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. And I, and I know for sure that Stephanie, who does most of our editing, is probably going to be lost in thought as she's listening to this episode, as most of our listeners are, because I don't think they've heard a lot of things like this. So how do they find you? I know we have a lot of retailers listening to this podcast and uh, other solution providers who might want to integrate your offerings. How do they, uh, what's the best way to reach you, Michael? Yeah, so you can, you can, thanks for asking that. Uh, you can reach me on um, plantjammer.com. Uh, so it's plants, like plants, uh, and then jammer, because we like for you to cook like it's a, it's a jazz band in the kitchen. Uh -huh. uh, so plantjammer.com. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn, uh, Michael Haas, uh, plantjammer, for sure. And Michael at plantjammer.com is my mail. Fantastic. Well, we'll make sure that people reach out to you. Yeah. Gary? Amazing. All right. No, this has been great. Thanks for being with us, and we'll look forward to getting you back. Yeah, and uh, Michael, I mean, what a fascinating conversation. I know it's not very often that I get excited about listening to an episode that we record, but I'm going to be listening to this because I'm sure there were so many things huh. that I missed uh, in the conversation. And I, you know, because you said so many things that just set light bulbs, you know, bells ringing in my head that I might have missed a few sentences here and there. But I congratulate you for everything that you've done. And uh, we're so excited that you are going down this path, uh, sorely need a solution. And you know, if there's retailers out there who are thinking about this, thinking about, you know, how you can be more responsible in retail, help your shoppers, and find more creative solutions. And I think it's a great engagement tool if you can get this on your website. Uh, you let your shoppers, you know, clearly it drives more engagement, right? right? So I think it's something that retailers should really, really closely pay attention to and reach out to Michael if there's any interest and uh, or email us at the retail perch at birdseye.com. We're happy to connect, get you guys connected. And Michael, I can guarantee you, we're going to get some questions from people and they're going to want you back on the show. So 
Amazing. You're giving me shivers down my spine out of all these <laughs> nice words. Thank you so much. And thank you for, uh, for a lovely conversation. No, it's been, it's been fantastic. And, you know, uh, I just want to, uh, uh, again, you know, I, I, I didn't come into this uh, podcast, honestly. I know I read up your background and I kind of looked at your website. But this is like times 10, you know, what I expected. Uh, so this, is, this has been fantastic for me. In fact, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm going to go tell my wife. To download your app download and the try app the next app. meal, you know, let's go to the refrigerator and try, <laughs> try, 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 try this thing and try this meal out and put a review out. That'd be fantastic. But anyway, uh, uh, listen, I want to thank all the listeners. You know, I know it's been an amazing uh, episode here with uh, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us and your continued support. You're welcome anytime back here, Michael. Thank you. All right. Thanks for being with us. Make sure to join us every Monday and connect with us at The Retail Perch on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at theretailperch at birdseye.com. Until next time, this is Shaker. And this is Gary, signing off. <laughs>